Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Oh man, great job, my beautiful bride. Oh man. Oh, uh, I, I don't know what else is left to accomplish today. Uh, wow, what a morning. What a morning, amen? Come on, the tangible living presence of King Jesus was in this room, was he not? Come on, man. Oh, goodness. Grant, thank you for holding it down on the keys. Can we make it up for the worship team? Come on, somebody. Give it up for those guys. Oh, oh, man. Um, yeah, wow, we... We're in such a unique season in church, and I hope you know this. I hope you feel it. I hope you sense it. I hope you understand that not every, every church, and there's no disparaging remarks towards them. It just happens to be what we've set apart importance here in this church, in this house, and what the Lord loves is he loves to have a place where he can dwell, where his people just say, come, Lord Jesus, come, dwell among your people, and have your way, not our program. Amen. And guess what? He did just that again this morning. Would you go ahead and praise him? I know we sang a lot. I know you're ready for me to talk and you not to, but come on, just praise him. Praise him. He's worthy. Mm, I love Jesus. You love Jesus this morning? Fantastic. Well, hey, how great was Pastor Adrian last week? Come on, fire word. If you didn't hear it, girl brought the heat. And uh, you want to check that out. That is online, uh, YouTube and Spotify and all those good places. But Bay Slade, you know what I'm saying? It was good. Go well, calm down, Kenny. God, he's like, bring her back. He's, calm down. Um, <laughs> but this morning, we are continuing our series, The Citizens of Heaven. Have this, has this been engaging? Have we loved this? Has it benefited you? Has it built you up? Come on, somebody. That is the whole point of this thing is to equip saints. Amen. So, hey, what we're going to do real quick, if you know the drill, get ready. Do a little, you know, get your voice ready. If you don't, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, and we're going to recite the, citizen, uh, the citizen's prayer. Amen. Citizen's creed. My bad. Here we go. We are the citizens of heaven. Hereby swear to be your bride. We swear we will represent... Your kingdom, well Your kingdom well in this land. In this land. We, will keep in step we will keep in step with your spirit. With your spirit. We, will your we will keep your word. We will keep your heart. We will steward your power and your presence. Sanctify us. Make us like Jesus. Consecrate us. Make us a holy nation where your spirit rests upon us, where you dwell among us, where your spirit's gift and fruit are valued. We will be your people. You will be our God. We declare your kingdom come and your will be done. In our, in our region, as it is, as it is. In, heaven. in heaven, we swear, we swear, we swear, we swear, we swear. We swear. To, give to give our lives 
for revival. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Whew. You ready for the word of God? Me too. Let's get it. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is Until It Is All Leavened. Until It Is All Leavened. I know it's going to sound a little bit weird, but just go with me. Until it is all leavened. Till it is all leavened. And if you got your Bible, we're going to be coming out of the book of Matthew. Not just because that's my name, but because I like him. Matthew 13, 31 through 33. If you got your Bible, turn there. I'm coming out of the ESV, the most direct English translation. If you're coming out of the KJV, um, the exit is right there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. Matthew 13, 31 through 33. If you don't have it, it'll be up on the Sky Bible behind me. Um, make some noise for Kelsey and Kenny holding it down in the booth for us. You ready for the word? Here we go. Matthew 13, 31 through 33. Let's get it. He put another parable before them saying, this is, this is Jesus. He put a parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened till it was all leavened. Well, we're going to pray, and we're going to see what the Lord will do with that. Sound good? <sighs> Father God. Father God, we just love you. We're so grateful. We're so grateful, God, that we get to come, that we get to gather, that we get to come together, and we get to sit at your feet. We get to worship you. We get to lean into all that you are, all that you are doing, all that you have for us, God, everything you designed and purposed in the earth, God. We get to come together as your sons and your daughters, your citizens of heaven, and we get to sit at your feet. We get to have a relationship with you. God, I just thank you so much for sending Jesus to the cross. God, I thank you that he was able to pay a debt that I never could in my best day, doing my best work, on my best time, on my best behavior. He was able to do it. I never could, God. And I'm so grateful because that means we get to know you. And not only do we get to know you, we get to be made like you. We get to leave what we were and all we've been and all we had and all we've done. And we get to take on all you've been, all you have, all you are, and all you've done by your finished work of Jesus on the cross. This is the gospel, somebody. And God, we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit so we can be empowered to live the life that you have set before us. So Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in this place. Father, we sang a lot about victory this morning, and I'm going to assume that is by your design today. So if there's any spirit in the room left other than the Holy Spirit that would move against the victory of Jesus on the cross, and by proxy, the victory given to the citizens of heaven, if you are in this room, we say, go to hell. Because this is holy ground. This is heaven's house. God 
dwells here. Devils don't. We thank you for what you're about to do today. In Jesus' mighty name, every Christian in the house said as loud as they could. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. It was all leavened. It was all leavened. Now, man, we have, we've been in the season of church, and, and, and for most of you, you probably are aware of this, but we, all summer, we took 12 weeks, and we went through the Jesus people, and it was really just for us, man. I, it was just coming out of this place and this burden for the world today of looking around, and not out of, not out of pointing out the faults and failures in the bride of Christ, but instead being the doctors that we need to be in looking and going, there's areas that are sick. And if we don't acknowledge that there's sickness, how can God ever come and heal it? If we don't admit that there is something lacking that needs to be built up, how can God ever build it? If we don't first examine the areas of like, man, we need the Jesus people to rise up in the earth again. If we don't first acknowledge it and proclaim it and just admit it, how's God ever going to do a new thing in the earth? How is revival ever going to break out to the capacity we believe it can? How are we ever going to see another Pentecost? Because that's what I'm about. I'm about lives on fire. And then that evolved and matured into the citizens of heaven. And at least I hope it's matured. It's really mature when Adrian's preaching, that's for sure. But it's my hope that as we move into this fall season and this new, new time of the year where people's lives are getting back on track and kids are going to school and there's all these things that are happening, it was my hope and my prayer that we would gather around this understanding that we don't simply just live in Michigan to live in Michigan, but we have been sent to Michigan by heaven, that we are commissioned for this region, that Michigan belongs to us. And I believe if we would just begin to live Live this and believe this and act like it, we would see God do some radical things in our region. If every citizen of heaven believed they were a citizen of heaven, they weren't just, well, the adopted redheaded stepchild, but they would know, no, they've been made sons and daughters of the most high God. He has no stepchildren. He has sons and he has daughters whom he is grooming and growing and maturing into a bride for his bridegroom, his son, Lord Jesus. And if we would walk in this, believe in this, and operate in this, man, we would see radical things happen. We would host God like we've never hosted him before. We would see things happen in the natural that don't make sense outside of the Bible. We would see things because we would understand who's and what we are. So when I look around, I look around. I don't ask myself, where have all the good men gone? I don't ask myself, where have all the good women gone? When I look around and I value, examine, and I look at the church at large, and I look at the church in our region, and I look at us as a people, I don't ask myself, where have all the good men and women gone? I ask where the saints have been. Where are the citizens of heaven who understand America gets to sing, this land is my land, this land is your land. We proclaim, nah, 
this is heaven's land. God has a greater plan for this nation, for this world, for this place that he has built for himself. That from Genesis through John and on to the days of Revelation, God has a plan for this world. And it is to dwell among his people. Amen. His whole plan. His whole plan is to have relationship with you and me. His whole plan, his whole big grand idea is that he wants to do here, hear me today, church. He wants to do life with you. And more than that, through Jesus on the cross, he invites you to do life with him. And there is a difference. There is a difference. Because see, God, he's up there in heaven all day long just going, I want to do life with you. But he doesn't invite himself to come and do life with you. He invites you to come and do life with him. Problem is, we have a lot of citizens, quote unquote, today, who are treating Jesus like some sort of side chick in their phone. Where sometimes at their convenience, at their desire, they'll holler when they're in a pickle, when they're in a pinch, when they need the gifts of God or the power of God. But God's going, no, 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 I want a relationship with you. See, I want a relationship with you. And I think we can look around right now and we can see not just prominent men and women of God who have fallen away, but we are seeing it on a micro level right here, right now. Not just lead pastors who have been stupid and unguarded and, and did dumb decisions, okay? Not just them. They're not their causality of the mass falling away. They're not the only mass falling away. But if we look right now at the bride of Christ, what we are seeing is mass descent from what Christ paid for on the cross, what he went through all that struggle and trouble and triumph to achieve for you and me. There's a descent from it because I don't know how many of you know this today, but I came to proclaim you the good news of Jesus Christ. It's that Jesus didn't simply go to the cross to inform your life. He went to the cross to form your life. He didn't go to the cross simply so the Bible could inform your life. He went to the cross so that his word could form your life. There is something called Christian, spiritual, biblical formation that you and I are called to live to. And it's going to take when Jesus comes on the scene and he first says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we'll break more of this down later, but first and foremost, before we talk about anything, we've got to talk about repentance real quick because we have allowed the world, not Jesus, not his bride, not church, we have allowed the world to define the word repent, and they have said it's shameful, that it's unloving, that it is hurtful and harmful. When Jesus' very first message he ever preached, the very first statement he ever made as office of Messiah was repent. First word, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Friends, repentance isn't shameful. Repentance isn't unloving. 
And repentance isn't even, it isn't even an invitation to better. Repentance is an invitation for God's best. For God's best. For you to return what you've broken, what you've stolen, what you've flawed and failed and, and, and kerfuffled your way through life, attempting to do on your own. You get to bring that back. Give it to him, turn from it, and begin to walk in his best, not your better, his best for your life. See, we can't allow the world to redefine the world, the word repent. For them, repentance will always be dirty, but for the citizens, allow me to get a little Southern, repentance needs to be purty. It ain't dirty, it's purdy. Amen. It ain't dirty, it's purdy. It is beautiful, it is loving, it is kind. It is amazing and it welcomes us into this big, green, massive world that Jesus has brought us into. And he says, this is where I want to dwell. Do you want to come and dwell with me? Do you want to come and live your best life? You know, the world's real loud and obvious about living their best life, but they've all tried and they've all failed. There is one best, it's God's best. It beats all the rest. But I'm not a rapper. But it beats all the rest. And the thing is, I think we can look around and I, th I, think, I think I may have diagnosed the problem. Can I give you my Dr. Matt diagnostics this morning of the bride and body of Christ? I think we're a major failure and a major flaw. And I'm saying this to us as a house so that we caution ourselves. We proceed with the Holy Spirit, but we yield real quick and we go and have a self-evaluation. Am I what Matt is about to say? Have I been guilty of what Matt is about to say? Has this been how I've lived my life? Because if we continue down this path, it only goes the direction it's heading now. But if we change course and repent... We can begin as a church, not just an organization or an organism, living stones. We can turn from this moment and we can build and we can grow and we can accomplish something even greater with God. Amen. So what I think is a massive diagnostic issue in the bride of Christ is this. I'm just going to make a bold statement. Sunday only Christianity has to die. Sunday only Christianity has to die. Listen, listen, listen. If you are gonna follow Christ, you have to be hungry for Christ. If you are gonna follow Christ, you have got to be hungry for Christ. You have to hunger for his word and thirst for his presence. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You have to hunger for his word and thirst for his presence this morning. This is the high caloric diet of the Christian. See, we're supposed to be living a life very much by design, very much by God's purpose and intentionality. He is the author of our lives. And he says there is a citizenship meal plan available to every single one of us. It's a high caloric, Christly rich diet of eating his word and thirsting for his presence.
And I think one of the reasons we're seeing a great mass falling away is because we have had church backwards for far too long. See, I think if I was to even ask our church, our house, my house, you, my people, if I was to ask you this morning, if I was to say to you, pull you aside and go, what is church for? I think we'd have a variety of answers and most of them would be wrong. I think we'd have a variety of answers of ideas that aren't bad necessarily, that aren't sinful necessarily, but we would miss the mark. And I want to get us all on the same page as we move forward and we march in victory the rest of this year. Amen. Can I tell you, church? Yes, it is a gathering. Sundays are a gathering. But first and foremost, our priorities here are to worship and minister to the Lord first. Number one, we meet here to worship King Jesus first. Two, we equip the saints. That's, this is Acts. This is Hebrews. This is all of the New Testament. This is what the tabernacle is for. Amen. We worship and minister first to God himself. We are here to give him praise, to worship him, to spend time with him, to let him know we love him, to lavish our love upon him. However, however big or small or wherever that love is currently at the moment, we bring it to him because he is worthy. And then we equip the saints. And from there, from there, after only equipping the saints for every good work is what Paul says, then we reach the lost. But you see, while we're experiencing a great falling away, it's because we've had this in reverse for far too long. The last 20 years, we have told everyone, church is about the lost. No, it's not. No, it's not. Church is a family gathering. Sometimes you bring friends to those. Then they leave feeling like family. But the goal isn't to bring your friends. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? That's the, that's the reality. We have, we have set up church in such a way, such a seeker-friendly model, that it's like, here you go, ministering to the lost person first. So we water down the word. We shore in worship. We make everything fun and poppy. We don't tell you the word sin. We don't talk about repentance. And we don't actually offer you a chance to come into the best life that God has for you. Instead, we give you some watered down, Remove the teeth. No fight left in it. No real power to change you. And then we expect you to hobble your way through this thing called Christianity and life. Because what we've done is we've made church so much about the lost, but that's not what we see in Scripture. You see, this isn't, and we love the lost. We're all about the lost. If, if you would identify as someone who's lost today, I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope that you know that God has more plans for your life than where you've been because that's what today's about, okay? However, so we say however. Had to remember where I was at. <laughs> however, when we begin to do church that way, live that way, what we do is we first and foremost make a place where the lost feel welcome, which isn't a bad idea. It's not a bad idea on its head, but it can't be first because all of a sudden everything we do is now geared upon people who don't actually know our God. Then what we end up doing as we handicap the preacher, and we say, yeah, equip the saints, guy, equip the saints in 30 minutes or less. But if you were to pull, apart a, uh, pull aside a drill sergeant and say, you have one day, 30 minutes on that day, a week to prepare soldiers for war, what are you going to do? Ain't going to work, fam. But we're in, a, we're in a war that's more than flesh and blood. It's against principalities and, and, and rulers in dark high places, okay? This goes beyond. This goes beyond Sunday. And then what we do after we've 
completely emasculated the man or woman who's in the pulpit and taken all the fight out of them. And then what we do is this. Well, if there's time, we can worship, Lord. Three songs, five minutes, 36 seconds. They all fit great on the radio. Five minutes, 36 seconds. Done. Friends, the days of Sunday-only Christianity in the days of that church model have to die. That has to die. That's not what Christ paid for. That's not what he went to the cross for. This thing isn't about me. This thing isn't about you. This is all about him and him inviting you and me to do life with, for, and by him. He wants to author your life with his pen so you can do life by him, with him, for him. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. You see, what happens is, is if this was your primary meal, if this was your primary meal for the week, if this is all you got, your primary meal was two hours on a Sunday morning, you cannot go another six days and expect to live a life as free as you do when you leave here. You cannot go another six days without his word, without his presence, without his scriptures, without his spirit, without his community. You can't go another six days and expect, come on somebody, you cannot go another six days on a deadly diet and believe that you're going to live like a living being uh, found in Christ. Amen? Like it's just not possible. It's not possible. This just can't be how we've done things, but that's how we've done things. And that's what happens when you begin to spiritually starve yourself. Because that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. You're spiritually starving yourself. When you begin to spiritually starve yourself, you will begin to look at what's on the plate of other tables around the Lord's. Oh, what's culture got over on their, their table? Well, it's nice. What's Twitter have over on their table? Oh, that was good. Oh, it's political melodrama. What they got going on over there? Oh, that's like a really sexy table. Look at this one. Because you're spiritually starved. You starved yourself for six days and you think you can have a dead diet and still live for Christ. You think you can live the ways of a dead man and still have the freedom and liberation that comes with finding yourself now alive in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't work that way. Friends, we have to begin to move from, yes, corporate gatherings are essential. Listen to me. Sunday is essential. If you don't believe me, listen to my last two messages. I went ham on it, okay? Ham. Hard as Matt can, okay? I went... I'll be here all week. I went ham. So you know how I, you know where I stand on church because you know what the Bible says on church because I went in on it. Church is essential, but church cannot be the only time that we are meeting with the Lord. 
And it cannot be the only time that you have your fork and knife out. It cannot be the only time that you are in his presence. You can't be. Daily encounters with the Lord has got to be of utmost importance to the Christian. You were never designed to eat once a week. You weren't. You cannot eat once a week and expect to remain chain free. You cannot, you cannot eat once a week and still expect to fit through the narrow gate. Come on, somebody. There is a spiritual formation to the life of a Christian. There is a spiritual formation to the life of a Christian. And man, I kind of just want to ask the question today. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you? Because here we go, we are human beings. We have been designed from the jump, even before we met Jesus, before we became a new creation, we were designed from the get-go, friends, to be hungry and thirsty. Now, some of us are more hungry and thirsty than others, but we'll, we'll pray and lay hands later and we'll get you delivered. But come on, that was funny in my head. Like most jokes. Yeah. Thanks, Pastor Evan. Shut up. <laughs> but how hungry are you? See, I'm human. I'm human. I'm not talking to you from a place of I've arrived and now I'm completely one and glorified with Christ. This is my new body. I hope my new body is better than this one. Uh, you know, like I, I'm not. I'm, I'm as human as you are and I'm as hungry as you are and I'm as thirsty as you are. We were designed to hunger. We were designed to thirst. But when we become a new creation, how many of you know a new creation needs new nutrients? New creation has a new diet plan. A new creation has a new way of consuming and living. That there is a living water that we are called to drink from. That there is a living bread that we are called to eat from. Amen. This is what we are called to do. But what happens is if when we go, when we go without that living water, when we go without tasting and seeing that that living bread is good, when we go and we spiritually starve ourselves, we go malnourished, disenfranchised, grow distant from the Lord, discouraged in our faith. We deconstruct, and then eventually we become completely disinterested in our bridegroom, Lord Jesus. And when that happens, well, our calling and our identity in Christ goes completely unrealized. This this is what happens when we don't eat the way we're called to eat, when we don't drink the thing we're called to drink, when we begin to spiritually starve and we start entertaining other ideas because we're looking at other plates and suddenly we look like so many men and women that you and I both know we have people in our daily lives who used to burn for the Lord, used to yearn for his presence, used to be the most on fire people in church. They may have even played a role in your salvation story, your coming to know Jesus. We all know these people, but because they began to eat off different plates because they did not feed themselves daily in the Lord, they have completely walked away from their faith. And this is what we are seeing in 2022 is a great falling away. And I want to stop us from making the same lethal decision we are called to live but if we're going to live as new creations if it's no longer us that lives but Christ that lives through us how many know we have to eat what Christ eat and drinks what Christ drank 
We have to live as Christ. Amen. And there was one time I remember is when they were going to, they were, they, he had to go to Samaria and this whole thing just briefly allowed me this bunny trail. Literally, he's like, I'm hungry. And then the boys were like, oh, you want us to go eat you some food? We're going to eat you some Jimmy John's. We'll go get it for you. It's in there. It was called Yimmy John's back in the day. But still freaky fresh and freaky fast. It was delicious. But anyways, Jesus was like, the food that I eat of, you haven't even begun to dream of. The food I live off of, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How hungry are you? How hungry are you today, church? How thirsty are you? And what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Daily encounters where you're gonna say, Pastor Matt, I have a job. That's not your job. You get to pray all day. You can, you can hang out in your prayer closet. You get to do that. I got things to do. I got kids to raise. I got boys to meet. I got, I got life to get on with. I can't just be in my prayer closet all day like you, Pastor Matt. I understand that, and that's not actually what I'm encouraging you to do. However, the Bible does say pray without ceasing. So one of us is wrong. And it's not me. You see, this moment here in this room on Sundays, it's entirely possible for you to experience the tangible living presence of God alone without other people around you because he actually wants to do life with you and he invites you to do life with him. But you will not steward that relationship. You will not have a proper diet and you will not go on to be and do all that God believes and has called and made you to do. If you're not eating what he says to eat and drinking what he says to drink. Which leads me to the scripture today. I love King Jesus. Don't you just love King Jesus? Is this good? I know, I've, I know since I got back from my prayer advance, I kind of have a different speed to me, but I really just want to make sure that we are nailing some things that are essential and formative to our faith, okay? I don't want you to be malnourished. I love, I love going to the sick. I love praying over people. But as a pastor, I... I it's not because I'm lazy, but it's because I want to see you live a victorious life in Christ. And I don't, I don't want to have to keep checking your wellness. I want us to ride such a wave of God's presence and revival in this house. Because we have all done the work outside of here going, no, 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 I've been eating. I'm getting my weight up. I have been eating. Put me on that Holy Spirit scale and see that I'm a Holy Spirit heavyweight. I have been eating Monday through Saturday. Amen. Jesus might have rose again on a Sunday, but he's not only found on Sunday. Amen. He is found every single day that you choose to engage with him. You know, one of the things that happens when following Jesus is sometimes we, we, get the, we get the great reset and all the chains come off and you're following Jesus and you're running really hard. You, maybe, it's, maybe it's right when you just met him, but all of a sudden you, you know, life slows down. It gets back to the mundane because, well, maybe the church services haven't been the best or whatever. Or maybe they haven't played your favorite song that got you saved in that moment. 
all of a sudden, because you haven't been filling yourself up Monday through Saturday and you're waiting for a Sunday pick-me-up, you start to drag and you start to look at other tables and other things and all of a sudden you begin to commit sin. Can I, can I tell you today that sin, even for the citizen, still separates? Sin, even for the citizen, still separates. Well, I thought God said he would never leave me nor forsake you. No, he didn't move and he also didn't commit the sin. It was you committing the sin that moved you, nudged you, got you to walk from him. Now you can always go back. That's the point of Jesus. He's got you. That's repentance. He's got you. But why do you think for many men or women in here who have experienced pornography, how, how, especially as a saved person, how many of you know, man, you watch pornography, you masturbate, you whatever. How many of you know, man, like, it's real hard to pray after that. And it might even be for the next couple of days. It's like, I want to get in my word, but it's like you moved yourself. You committed sin and sin separated you from God. Not, not, not the way it did before Jesus. Hear me today. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying you still have salvation. But man, if, you, if, God, if the devil can get a wedge between Adam and God in the garden, he can certainly get a wedge between us and God. And that's why we can't be malnourished. We've got to be in fighting shape. We've got to be ready to go. We've got to be living and eating this high caloric diet that Jesus brought to life in us through his finished work on the cross. There is a hunger for Jesus. You will, we are led by our appetites. We are. We are. And we hunger and thirst after so many things, affection from others, sex, actual food, whatever. We hunger and thirst after these things, prominence, promotion, job, money, cars. We hunger and thirst. And if we just allow those appetites to be fed and our desire for the Lord to go quenched, it's only a matter of time we're malnourished and starving you see i want to hit the scripture but i got i got something i want to tell you real quick it's this it's not. let's just read the scripture let's just read the scripture we're going to get to it but we we should read the scripture. Oh, man. Y'all ready for the scripture again? Okay. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his, in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants, becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. And, and, and this, is, this is where I want to rest the rest of the morning because, man, I... I'm afraid for a malnourished bride who's disenfranchised and, and, and discouraged in her faith and grows distant to her bridegroom, Jesus, because here's what happens. 
God has made a way for you to stay eating. He's made a way for you to live 24-7 at the buffet of Jesus, unlimited breadsticks of Jesus. He's made a way for you to live where you just get to feast continually on him, his presence, his word. And what happens is when we're malnourished, is all of a sudden temptation can come. Well, temptation gets in a lot easier because you're not distracted by eating. You see, when we're living in proper shape and proper form and proper nutrients of what Christ paid for on the cross, all of a sudden temptation comes and goes, we just swat it away going, I'm busy, I'm eating. That late night text comes in from the girl that you used to do things with that you shouldn't be doing outside of marriage and no, I'm too busy drinking too busy encountering the next big political scandal happens and it's like no 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 I, I I don't have time to have my thoughts concerned with this I'm too busy hearing how God's thoughts are concerned with this you see there's a way to live that we're called to live where we don't have to give in to every single thing that pops up for us vying for our attention vying for our appetite we don't have to give in to every other table that is out there we can stay eating with Christ and on Christ, and for Christ, and by Christ. And when that person tries to nudge into your marriage, it's like, we're too busy encountering God together. I don't need to feast on your compliments because I'm feasting on, on his word. Somebody say, stay eating. Stay eating. That's my plea today because, friends, I want to tell you this. There are so many fasts in the Bible. There's so many fasts in the Bible. Do you know what fast is not in the Bible? A fast of him, a fast of his word, of his presence. There's never a fast. There's not a fast from church, none of it, none of that. There's not a fast from daily encounters. Me and the Lord just decided I'm going to take a week and not talk to him. See, there's fast from food, there's fast from certain foods, there's fast from items and hobbies and events, and there's fasting from, heck, Paul even talks about a fast for sex and marriage. But you're never going to find a fast where you distance and go without time with God. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? And so Jesus... Jesus being Lord Jesus, he starts this off and he goes, the kingdom of heaven is like, and I've really liked this. I've really enjoyed in the series just talking about when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, like how many of you know, if we're gonna live in a foreign land, but sent by heaven, we should probably know what the kingdom of heaven is like. We should probably know the customs and lifestyles that come with us into the foreign land of which we come from, amen? Like if we're gonna live as citizens of heaven, then we should probably know what heaven and the kingdom of which it has is about and like, amen? Like that's probably something that's pretty pertinent to the Christian. So whenever Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, we just gotta lean in. We gotta go, what is, what is he saying? Let's, let's leave no stone unturned here. Let's evaluate and examine what Jesus is talking about. So I love this one. I love this first part because Jesus, he is the grand master at parables and storytelling. He goes, you see the kingdom of heaven, boys? He's with his disciples at the time. He said, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like this farmer, like this man. And he has this seed. It's a mustard seed. It's the tiniest seed that there is. And see, he goes out to this field and he purchased the field and he, and he buries just a single mustard seed. 
And then this mustard seed, this mustard seed, see, it's not intended to stay small. It's not intended to stay in the ground. It's not intended to stay a seed at all. It's intended to grow. So we first put down roots down low into a firm foundation and then shoot up. But it's, but it's higher than every other plant around it. It's not just another plant. It's not some weak, feeble ficus. But it grows into giant oaks of faith. And then I love this little detail. He's like, so that a bird can come and nest in it. Now, at face value, I bet when the disciples are leaning in, because they've been with Jesus, Jesus has done crazy things, they've done crazy things with Jesus, and Jesus gets ready to unlock the keys to the universe. And all of a sudden, they're like, he's like, yeah, the kingdom of heaven is like, and everyone drops it. And he's like, it's like a seed. Yeah, yeah, I get it, Jesus. And, and, and there's a guy, and he puts it in the ground. Okay, yeah, all right. And, and, then, it, and then it takes root, yeah. That's what seeds do, Jesus. And then it shoots up. That's pretty cool. You know, like, can you imagine the disciples? And then when Jesus arrives at the conclusion, it shoots up. It's bigger than every other plant around it. It's so big. It's so built. It's a giant oak. And then a bird comes and lives in it. Run that by me one more time, Jesus. I am so confused about the kingdom of heaven right now. You see, when Jesus came on the scene, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He wasn't talking about the kingdom of heaven of, well, the afterlife. He was talking about the kingdom of heaven of which he brought with him here, which he longs to establish here, which he wants to use you and I to bring into this world, our world today. He's talking about the kingdom that he brought with him, not some one day, mystical, magical, ethereal, out of some afterlife with a sky daddy for people who are incels and need a crush to get through life. Like that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a real kingdom that he is establishing here and now through you and me. So when he tells you what it's like, we gotta lean in. And I love this because he says the seed, well, friends, can I tell you when he says the seed goes into the earth, that's a shot back at Genesis. That's a shot back to Genesis. You man, woman, you came from the earth. And what happened? God breathed his spirit into your body called you to life. Jesus went into the ground, amen, and then rose back up. You see, the seed that he's talking about is Jesus himself in salvation. In the tree he's talking about, this great oak he's talking about is you and me. You see, you and I, we are called to grow into something greater, to grow into something big, to grow into something strong, to grow into something faithful, to grow into something that is larger than the feeble ficuses of this world that have to offer those weak, little, wimpy ficuses. You're called to be a great oak tree. I don't know why I hate ficuses so much. I just do. Stupid ficus. But you're not called to be a weak feeble ficus. You're called to be a strong giant oak of faith. But notice the seed still had to go in. The seed still had to be consumed. The seed still had to find a place to. What are you consuming? What's going in you? How is your growth? What are you becoming? What were you when you started this thing with Jesus and where are you now? Because here's the deal. We were never intended to remain small, weak, and feeble. We're called to grow and grow big and become massive giant oaks of faith 
It's funny, I was talking to somebody and they were like, well, yeah, Matt, we're, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to have like faith of child. And I was like, yeah, 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 giant oak. And they were like, no, no, faith of a child, Matt. Children are small. Yeah, but their faith is big. See, faith like a child doesn't mean to have small faith. It means to have faith like a child. A child will actually open the Bible and believe it. Children will often pray prayers that are bolder, greater, and more audacious than their parents. Why? Because they actually believe it. See, we're, we're, children may be small and they may be innocent of the world around them. That just means their innocence hasn't had a moment to be stripped from them yet and they still believe God is who he says he is. So yes, we can be like children in our faith. The Bible, literally Jesus' own words say, if you don't have faith of a child, I tell you and I assure you, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. Why? It's not because children are small. It's because they got big faith. We've just been doing too much time in the world to have our innocence stripped back. We've done too much separating. We've gone so far. We've done all these things. And God wants to make us. There's a reason we are called the children of God. Amen? And so you're not called to remain small, remain weak, remain feeble. You are called to grow up into salvation. And then here's the real kicker. I love Jesus. He's better than we are. Here's the real kicker. And then he goes, there's going to be a bird that comes and nests in that giant oak tree. Like when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. You see, he knew what he was doing. The boys are looking at him, cock-eyed, going, huh? What is this tree? What you talking about? And he's like, I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about power. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And most certainly I am talking about the kingdom of God. But if no one tells you, if no one tells you this is the way it's supposed to go, how will you ever see it manifest and birth in your life? How will you ever walk in and grow up into everything that God says you were capable and able to? And most importantly, when he comes and rests on you, I've got this tattooed on my arm, I believe it so much. But Jesus, he, he doesn't stop there. You see, Jesus, he goes on to this next part, which is where I want to spend the rest of the morning. He, he, says, he says something so beautiful, and I think we'll miss it because for the most part, we're not Jewish. Like, we're, like we're, we're just, I highly doubt there's a significantly Jewish person in the room today. But the boys, the disciples, they were Jewish. They grew up in Israel and in this, in this heritage and they were trained and taught all of these things. Even if their parents weren't like practicing Jews anymore, they were still around it enough, just like cultural Christianity in West Michigan. They were around it enough to understand what Jesus is saying next and the ramifications that come with it. See, there's great ramifications for what Jesus says next and it's deeper than just talking about bread. See, Jesus, he goes, See, the kingdom of heaven, it's, 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 like, it's, like this, it's like this leaven that you have, right? It's leaven, and then you tuck it away into three ounces of flour, and, and, and then it stays there until what happens? The, the flour is completely leavened. Well, what does that mean? It means when yeast goes into uh, what will be dough, it changes everything. It spreads everything. It takes what would be rather flat and puny and kind of just like not really great looking, like no one's going into, you know, your favorite bakery and going, give me the unleavened one, I got to take communion. Like no one is doing that. We want the luscious, golden, fluffy, crispy, who is hungry for lunch? Like we want, 
We want that bodacious baguette, you know, like that's, that's what we want. Hit me with a sourdough. We want that. And if you're saved in here, rye is not an option. That's gross. Come on. I don't like rye bread. <laughs> but see, with boys, they would hear something very different because they're Jewish and they would go right back to Exodus. They would go right back to when the Israelites were called out of Egypt. You see, the Bible's very great and it has better words for you than I do. And he says this, God says, there was a bread that you have in Israel. It's called unleavened bread, or in Egypt, it's called unleavened bread. But underneath Egyptian rule, it goes by another name, bread of affliction. And God says, this very bread, very bread, this very bread, you take that bread of affliction with you, that unleavened bread. When you leave here, don't leave here with any leaven of Egypt. You bring pure, unadulterated. It might be flat, but it is pure. It may not be beautiful, but it is pure. You do not leave here with any custom, beliefs, or ways of Egypt so much so you don't take the tiniest bit of Egyptian yeast with you. You leave here with the bread, with the bread of affliction. And then what we see later on is that bread then goes to hold them over in the desert. That's what God sends as manna. This bread has a reoccurring theme all throughout the rest of their lives. But what it's not referenced as any longer is bread of affliction. Instead, what God and the Israelites go on to call it is bread of freedom. So these boys, they're hearing about Jesus, talk about the bread of freedom, but then they're hearing Jesus. This is actually very controversial in a lot of circles. Then they're hearing Jesus go, wait, 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 wait. We were with you with the bread and now you want us to put something in it. And now you want us to leaven this bread. Now you want us to put this yeast in there. Now you want us to hide something in it. What are you saying, Jesus? Because this isn't making sense to them. They're going, I don't get the correlation. Well, that's because they don't understand what the leaven is. See, this isn't Egypt's leaven. This isn't Rome's leaven. This isn't even Israel's leaven. This is heaven's leaven. This is heaven's leaven. He's saying, see, listen, listen, when you were in Egypt and you were a slave, like we were a slave to our sin, well, this was affliction. It's the bread of affliction. And then when I set you free and I released you from Egypt, I led you out of Egypt and I led you, the Christian, out of your chains and out of your sin and out of the consequences of it, well, suddenly this bread becomes fresh start. This is unleavened heaven's bread. This is freedom. But once you're free, Jesus wants to hide something in you. He does have a leaven. He does have a yeast. He does have something to place and hide within you. And it's heaven's leaven. And what does that do? It gets all up in there. There's not a single area of that dough that it goes unaffected by heaven's leaven. There is not a single thing. And you could say this, well, why would you want that? Because it needs to grow. It needs to puff up. It needs to be golden. It needs to go through some heat. It needs to be presentable. Some might say fit for a king. This bread needs to bubble. 
This bread needs to fluff. This bread needs to be appealing. This bread needs to be appetizing. And if it's growing with the right leaven and the right yeast in it, if it tastes like heaven and is prepared by heaven and is set apart for heaven, well, the king of heaven is going to look upon that bread and go, now that's a bride. Now that's a bread. You see, Jesus, he's so much smarter than we are. He's playing chess, not checkers. He is far ahead of us. And he is saying, no, no, once I have you free, I gotta hide something in you. I'm trying to hide the kingdom of God in you, the word of God in you, the presence of God in you. I'm trying to get you to hunger and thirst after some things this morning. That is gonna keep you bubbling up for the right reasons. Friends, can I tell you, do you know what happens when heat is applied to dough? It shows what's been sown into it you will either rise or stay flat based upon what leaven has been sown into you. So let me ask you this this morning, not only how hungry are you, but what have you been feeding on? Is it heaven's leaven? Because I know what will happen. We'll apply a little bit of heat to it. Life will apply a little bit of heat to it. The enemy will apply a little bit of heat to it. And suddenly you'll start responding. But how do you grow? What do you turn into? How do you puff up? What comes out of you? What is revealed? When sickness comes, are we going to praying for healing? When tragedy starts, are we interceding for the families and the people who were affected by it? Like what happens when heat is applied to your dough? Is it the kingdom that comes out? Is it the kingdom that's been hidden? Or is it opinions? Is it a political agenda? Is it some sort of man-made crystal shakabooka bullcrap? Like what comes out of you? Yes. I said that. You're welcome. Hope I've said a lot of things today. Please don't let that be the only one you take with you. My pastor was like, no, crystal devil, shakabooka bullcrap. But seriously, what comes out of you when heat is applied? In just a moment, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. But, but before we do that, we have to talk about something that's very serious. Pastor Matt, this has been very serious this whole time. I know. Because we only eat meat here. We are living on heaven's leaven. That is what we want. I know how deficient some of us live outside of these walls. We cannot afford to have a Sunday where you don't get a proper meal. Amen? Let's be a house that only wants the meat, who only wants to grow, who only wants to get bigger, who wants heaven's leaven to bubble up inside of us so that our bread, our dough, our finished product can be presentable to Lord Jesus. And he looks at it and goes, that's a bread. That's a bride. That's what I want. Amen? But in order to talk about heaven's leaven, first there's two other leavens that Jesus talks about. See in Matthew 16, which I'm not going to ask you to throw it up, but it is in there. See Matthew 16, Jesus references two other breads. It's the only other time he does this. Oh, two other leavens that he does. He talks about there's heaven's leaven. Then there's the leaven of the Sadducees, which is the political arena. And then there's the leaven of the Pharisees, which is the religious arena. And he literally tells his disciples in Matthew 16, 5 through 12, he goes, boys, beware, beware of the Sadducees leaven and the Pharisees leaven. Beware, detest, run, avoid, get away from it at all costs. Don't allow that to get in you or on you. Well, why? Because once it's in you, it changes you. It completely changes you. Leaven inside dough makes a chemical reaction. And once something is leaven outside of Jesus on the cross, we can't change it. You don't want that to nest inside you 
avoid it. Why? Because both the religious and the political will try to offer you a king made in your own image. And it will be powerless, distant, and unable to do any of the things it actually promises you. You see, the Sadducees, we, we live in a time right now where as Christians, we have the opportunity to take the bait on a lot of Sadducee leaven. You see, they don't have Jesus. That's why they're sad, you see. But we have this opportunity. And right now, going back to the repentance thing, the world, the political arena, they're all saying like, Sadducees, Herod at the time, Herod was cool with Jesus. He just didn't want Jesus in the political realm. That was the problem. He thought he was gonna be a king, like an actual king. Like he thought he was gonna come and rule and reign and flip over some tables and like bring some horses and just dominate Rome. Like that, Herod was like, nah, I'm cool with you worshiping. I'm cool with you being Israel. I'm cool with you guys doing your Jewish thing. Like do that, but don't bring it here. And doesn't that sound like America in 2022? Doesn't that sound like America in 2022? Please don't bring your Jesus here. But I'm sorry, kingdom leaven trumps Sadducee leaven every time. Every time. There is no arena on the earth that Jesus doesn't look at and go, I want that. I want that. I want to rule everything. Why? Because I came so that, this is John three sixteen. this is just a part of the verse that nobody wants to finish. He came so he can reconcile the entire world back onto himself. Now that ain't just the people within the world. That means he wants to set right back creation to the beginning. Where there's no fall, where there's no sin, where there's no sickness, no weeping, no pain. Just the garden again. That's his plan. But if we don't avoid this Sadducee leaven, if we don't play that game, if we don't buy into what they're selling, friends, if we, if we give into that, you will spoil your entire dough. I think one of the things that's really interesting right now, and I think we need to look at, and I think we need to start asking our question, is if these things don't concern you, what has spoiled your appetite? What have you been feasting on that's spoiled your appetite? If you can read scriptures like this and it doesn't do a thing for you, if you can come to church and it doesn't do a thing for you, if you can look at the world and it doesn't break your heart the way it breaks Jesus's, if you can look at what's going on in America today and it doesn't bring you to your knees to pray to the God who is able to do something about it, to seek his kingdom mindset and how to handle it, how have you spoiled your appetite? What else have you been eating? What other leavens have you already been tasting and feasting upon? What has gotten in you? Your mother was not the only person to ask you in your life what has gotten into you. I am asking you this morning, what has gotten into you? Right now, we're in October. In November, there is an opportunity to vote for the direction of our mitten. And there's something on the docket, it's called Proposal 3. First and foremost, I want to say this. If you have and or know someone who has had an abortion, we love you. God loves you. There's grace. There's forgiven. There's mercy. We live again. Amen. But proposal three, see, will significantly change our constitution here. And yeah, I don't give a rip. 
I can lose the 501c3 and we can pay taxes. Come at me, bro. I don't care. We are the church. I'm not afraid of dust. What is a man? What is a woman? They're dust. What is a governor? Dust. Try and strip away the church. You think a man can kill Jesus' bride? You're kidding me. Amen? So let it be known. But proposal three, I'm going to tell you as your pastor, I want you to vote no on it right now. I want you to vote no on it. I want you to vote no. Well, why, Pastor Matt? Why are you breaking some sort of rule right now to talk about these things? Because it's needed. Because I have heaven's leaven in me, and I want you to have heaven's leaven in you. And I will worship at the altar of Christ, and we will not allow anyone to worship at the altar of convenience by killing children. I worship at the altar of Christ, not the worship of the altar of convenience. Okay? Hear me. Not only will it fundamentally change our constitution for abortion up until the third trimester, try and tell me that's not a baby. Third trimester. How many trimesters are there? Three. Not only that, though, it also removes the age of consent. So if you were a child, and no matter how it came about, parents no longer will be informed about it, and you can just go and have any medical uh, procedure done, and you can have be a child, and you can have assisted murder take place. And that's what it is. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a citizen of heaven, get the leaven of the Sadducees out and you get some heaven leaven in you and you go to those polls and you vote kingdom principles. I don't care about, we should have talked about this in 2016, but we didn't have a church then, okay? We should have talked about it in 2020, but I didn't have the spine then. Listen, I don't care about personalities. So what? You don't like the guy or girl. I get it. I'm not interested in personalities. I'm interested in kingdom policies. I don't care. You can be mean all you want. You can have mean tweets all you want. I'm a, you're a mean guy. You need Jesus. But your policies back up God's heart. And that's what I'm for. That's what I'm in. Get me in a room with a guy who's stupid on Twitter sometimes. I'll tell him, you're stupid on Twitter. Have a heart sometimes. But keep your policies kingdom because we're fighting for lives that never had a chance to fight for themselves. Amen? That's what this is about. I'm, I'm not sorry at all. Close the door, shut us down, take away, tax us till the daylights come. I don't care. I will not be moved. Well, Matt, what about rape and incest? Let me tell you about rape and incest. It's heartbreaking. It is tragic. And God's heart is absolutely shattered when sin happens. My heart is broken when sin happens. But the Bible's very clear. Romans 10, we do not repay evil by doing, Romans 12, we do not repay evil by doing evil. We overcome evil by doing good. So while I understand the heartbreak and tragic situations that many women in our nation find themselves in, I'm just asking you to overcome evil for nine months and let me have your baby. Let Takeover Church have your baby. Let somebody else raise your kid. If you could just resist temptation for evil for nine months. We will love you, we will love that kid, and we will see God's best come about in both lives. That's what we do. So in November, proposal three, you gotta vote no on it. Well, Matt, how do I know about the rest of it? Do some investigation, do some legwork. We cannot treat our country 
like we've treated our salvation for so long and we just think God's going to do it all for us. No, you have a role to co-labor in this. We live in a fallen world. Fallenness is going to happen, absolutely. But if we are the light, it can be a lot less dark. Amen? So avoid the Sadducees. And avoid the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees are on the other side of this. They're the religious people who are just trying to tell you, stick to the Bible. Don't have commentary on this. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about these things. Friends, I don't have the time right now, but I can break it down for you every time Jesus engaged in political stuff, every time he told his disciples to go and pick up swords. Like literally, he told them, go and get two swords and bring them back. Well, that doesn't sound like feed the poor. <laughs> well, he's not gonna use the swords on the poor, bro. Okay? But there is, there is, there is, so much more to this, and I'm pleading with you. Avoid the religious game of just expecting God to do all the work, but get to know him for yourself. Have daily encounters, daily encounters. How do I know who to vote for, Whitmer or Dixon? Whose policies line up with the word of God, not just the parts that we like, but the word of God, and get in your prayer closet. Have a daily encounter with him. What do you talk to God about if you don't talk to him about these big life things? What, are you, what have you been talking to God about? What are you hungry for? What have you been putting in? What leaven has been hidden within you? Worship team, you can make your way up here. But this, this is who we are. We are the citizens of heaven. I know we like to produce a lot of teachers that say Michigander, and life by the lake is best and all these other things that you find at chintzy West Michigan shops and in Ludington and wherever else. I get it, okay? They're cute, they're colorful, they're fun, great. But you and me, the beautiful thing is we got a room full of people from a lot of different places, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different histories, a lot of different tragedies and a lot of different victories. The thing that unites us and sets us apart isn't that we're Michiganders? Isn't that we get to call this beautiful place home? Isn't that we get three months of pure joy followed by nine of chills and water and mud? What unites us is that everyone in this room is a citizen of heaven. You're a part of a bigger kingdom, a greater movement, a greater thing going on. And we couldn't wait till November got here to talk about that. It's too late. I need you to start in your prayer closet now asking the Lord for insight. How do we play a role in our local and regional politics? How? What do we vote on? How do we do it? Who has your heart, God? Who is moving with you, God? Who is for men and for women and for life? Who? Because God is God in his mercy you can call it predestination or you can call it God just stands out the side of, outside of time. But man, I gotta tell you, he is so far beyond our world that he, he, he already has an idea of who he's gonna spend eternity with forever when this whole thing goes down. He already knows. So he's the guy that you can go to and you can ask him more than anybody, more than me, what matters in the earth? What matters? What are you trying to fight for? What are you trying to see victory in? He's the guy. 
Would you guys rise? We're going to go into a worship song. Admittedly, admittedly, when the Lord placed leaven on my heart, man, that was such a wild thing to talk about because there's so much going on. There's so much going on, but man, we've, we've got to address the things that we've consumed. We've got to address the things that we've allowed in. We've got to address the things and thoughts that we have just allowed to pollute allowed the yeast to come in that's caused us to rise in the wrong ways amen we got to look at ourselves and go what kind of bride what kind of bread what kind of man or woman of god do we want to be made into or do we want to be small feeble ficuses or do we want to grow into giant oaks of faith that the holy spirit can use and the holy spirit can rest upon that the holy spirit can move between and move on and move with like what kind of life what kind of bread what kind of bride do we want to be do we want to be just Pharisees where we have a powerless God and the one that we don't know and never will? Do we want to be Sadducees that serve kings in our own images that will promise you the world but will fail you every time? Or do we want to have the type of leaven that only heaven can provide? So at this moment, I think there's just an anointing on the room. I think there's just anointing with our team. Um, so I want to invite you. I want to invite you. Start your daily encounter right now. Uh, if there's, if my like large tent team could just be on standby uh, around and around up front kind of. Um, and two, like if, if you feel, if you feel like maybe you've had some leaven get in your dough that you just need a reset you need a divine reset you need Jesus to go in with his Jesus hands and knead out that yeast knead out that leaven that's not of him to identify the areas and the things that we've consumed that are not of him and you just come today and you say I need a divine reset with the Lord I want to just open this up to you you can come and sit on your knees you can get prayed over by a team member you can just stand in worship at the altar but there's been something powerful all summer and all fall long happening right here where the Lord is just breaking chains where he is removing leaven and he is setting up his people for the best the best that he has to offer so right now we're going to begin to sing I'm going to pray and if that's you and you want to make your way up, please do. We invite you to the altar, but let's, let's worship the Lord. Father God, I thank you for this morning. King of kings, Lord of lords, I thank you for everything that you're doing in this room. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you have better plans for our lives, greater plans for our lives, that you have set us up and you have set apart a table for us to come and sit at, for us to come and feast upon, for a, for a word of God known as the bread of life that we get to come and feast upon, for your presence that is known as the living water that we get to come and drink from. God, right now, Lord, would you reveal in your saints and your sons and your daughters and your children would you reveal in us the other fountains we have drank from the other tables we have tasted from would you would you show us and reveal to us God all the times that we got done off the stool in front of you and we went and sat on a stool of culture or the stool of the political or the stool of our age whatever it may be the other tables we've sat at God we just want to repent if your kingdom is at hand God that's the kingdom we want to have our lives married to, a part of, established in. 
So God, we just thank you for a shame-free zone where there is no shame. There is grace and there is mercy and there is the kingdom of heaven that is available to every single one of us on the other side of repentance. So God, we just lay ourselves before you. We say we love you, Jesus. Our whole life, our whole life for all that you are right now. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come be the fire inside of me. Come be the seal upon my heart. Come set me ablaze. Holy Spirit, come rest in my tree. Come grow me. Come make me into something great for you, God. Lord, I want you not to just inform my life, but form my life. I want to taste and see and know that the Lord is good. And I want to offer the bread of my life to those around who are still searching and tasting from different cups and different tables. And I want my life to be like Jesus is broken before a lost and broken world and say, come, taste and see, hear my story, hear my testimony, see what the Lord has done in my life. Taste and see that he is good. In Jesus' mighty name, if that's you, come forward. Everyone else, let us worship. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen.